morning, everyone. That last song was a little nostalgic. Hadn't heard that in a long, long, long time. Everybody feeling good, to, good today? Good to see all of you. And uh, good to see those of you who are visiting with us because we do have quite a number of people who are away today. And so we're glad you all, you all joined us. I want to speak to you this morning, uh, and we're going to have communion after the, after the service, and it, it's a believer's table here at, at Cornerbrook Baptist, so you may not be from this church, but if you know Christ as your Savior, then you are most welcome to partake in the emblems of the Lord's Supper as we, as we present them to you in just a little while in, in remembrance of him. This morning, biblical blueprints for home, home builders. We're in between the most celebrated day of spring, which is Mother's Day, and that lackluster dear old dad day. So I thought it was time to speak on the family, and uh, in particular, marriage, a topic I really haven't addressed during my short time here. Now, I have some pretty good friends in the ministry. I think I have pretty good friends, but I also have some pretty good friends in the ministry. And sometimes these ministerial associates come to my house to, like every profession does, to talk shop, discuss the latest theological trend. And other times we do things as unspiritual as watch hockey. And I, re I recall inviting a member of my pastoral staff for supper on one occasion. And when this gentleman came for supper, his wife lived in a, a different town, was working in a different town. I went the second mile for him because he was a dear friend as well as a ministerial associate. I baked this gentleman a cake. Now it was one of these really fancy cakes with fresh mandarin oranges in creamy white frosting. It was a high cake, fluffy, moist. It was probably the best cake I'd ever made to that point. Now I found to make a cake as perfect as that one turned out to be took a special skill. I had to go buy a recipe with absolute precision. Now, the fact that a man named Duncan Hines helped me make it is immaterial to it. But my memory might not be entirely right because it could have also have been a woman named Betty Crocker. Now, the recipe called for cooking oil, a special quantity of cooking oil as well. You know what recipes are. They tell you the right measurement. I use canola oil for his cake because it had a lesser amount of cholesterol than the other choices. Now, I, I think that that canola oil looks a little like another kind of oil called castor oil. Now, had I substituted, the results could have been messy. Now, for you younger folks who may not entirely understand castor oil, it's the greenish extract of a large tropical plant which has been used for many, many years to ease constipation and also to induce vomiting. Don't want to use that in your cakes. Basically, it's WD-40 for the gastrointestinal system. 
Now, this esteemed member of the clergy who we entertained in our home don't know about the kind of emotional struggle that I had deciding on the best type of oil for his cake. I think for his sake and for the sake of our friendship, I chose the right, the right kind. But I can't say that I wasn't tempted to just go a little bit away from the recipe and use a little different kind of oil. You see, if it's necessary to bake a cake according to a recipe, it's imperative that we apply the biblical pattern of home, home building that the Holy Spirit directs through the pen of an anointed and inspired writer. And there's a blueprint to give us direction in order to build a kind of home where God is honored. The fact that scripture contains advice to men and women is proof indeed that God foresaw the kind of need there would be for a good foundation to build a home on. God knew the home would be in need of constant maintenance and God knew that sometimes there'd have to be almost a complete renovation. The home, after all, probably is the oldest of institutions, an honored place. If every marriage was created in heaven, there'd be no need for biblical instruction. I think it was Clint, Clint Eastwood who said one time, people say marriage was made in heaven, but so was thunder and lightning. So we know that the home is not always what we want it to be. Sometimes we run into our share of issues. But here's something that I found in Proverbs. Good verse, short verse, but filled with amazing words. Proverbs 24, verse 3. So listen to what this writer says. By wisdom... A house is built, and through understanding it is established. Get those major words. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Three key words. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Now, homes can be built or rebuilt by wisdom. Can be rebuilt or built by understanding, and the same goes for knowledge. These three words in this passage of Scripture are connected to three action words. Built, established, and filled. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are not things that get kind of transferred to us in one, one deposit when we stand before a minister or a judge or a justice of the peace and say, I do. Building, establishing, and filling are processes. And process means time. Now, wisdom is fantastic construction material. Any house can be built. And I've seen some unremarkable examples of that. But it takes wisdom to create a home. It's not making wise purchases and making good, good deals on materials. But really, wisdom means seeing with discernment. It's a God-imparted skill to see the broad perspective of life. 
And wisdom is not a matter of saying the right, right words. It's having the right kind of answers. We hire carpenters when we build, and they measure and fit wood together, bricklayers and plumbers, install supports and systems. We run chalk lines and use levels to keep things fair and even. Constantly refer to a blueprint to ensure that we're building according to a, to a plan. Systems have to fit and different tradespeople have to cooperate. And if you're like me, you've had your fill of DIY shows on television. Mike Holmes and Brian Baumler have just re revolutionized our understanding of building to where even the absolute novice tries it now. And you can get pretty well a YouTube video for anything you want, you want to do. And when all your work is done, there are inspectors who go over the work to ensure it's been carried out according to the specs of the blueprint. And the finished product reflects the builder, the wise builder is the person who knows that what he's going to build is going to last. Now, if wisdom is needed to build a structure called a house, how much more is it needed to build a household, a home? Because houses and homes, we have heard many times, are not the same. People are not pieces of wood. They're not blocks of stone. They can't be cut and chiseled and forced into place. They can't be treated as things. And while paint and plaster can cover the defects of construction, poorly built homes come apart to reveal gaping deficiencies. Now, I realize that as I give you this message this morning, that the traditional nuclear family is not the only unit that needs good advice on building today. A man and a woman, or either of the two, are not only building a home they live in themselves, but they're creating a pattern that their children will likely copy. I've said it to mine, and you've probably said it to your children if you have them. This is the way my father taught me to do it. Or in the case of the, the cake, this is my mother's recipe. She got it from her, 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 her mother. See, the cake recipe I had, my pastor friend took some home with him and live to tell about it. But I can't take any more orders. I'm all booked up right till Christmas at the present time. By wisdom, a house is built. And wisdom gets passed down, generation to ge generation. And I'm trusting that we will pass on the right kind of stuff. And what's the good source of this? Where does this wisdom come from? Well, God's word gives us that broad perspective that we need to put together a structure that will be sound. God provides not only the blueprint for it, but he also supplies the tools for it. And we give him the time and the labor and the commitment. And in, in reality, the materials that God uses to build a home are us. We're the raw materials of family. And once all the things that are necessary are in place and we dedicated our, our, ourselves to the task, we can begin that work. And I believe that even in the midst of a socially diverse place like we have now, that God can take us in the right direction. Now, the second thing that this writer says is that understanding establishes. 
Understanding means to act based on the wisdom. It's the ability to see from God's perspective. To define it, understanding means to respond with insight. It's acting without insecurity. You see, the easiest response to an issue that involves you personally is to lash out, fight back, bite at someone who does something you don't want them to do. Understanding gives us the ability to respond rather than react. You see, because a response is a measured action and a reaction is an involuntary response. Proverbial shoot from the hip. Everybody's heard about knee-jerk reactions. Now, let me illustrate it for you in this kind of manner. When someone mentions the word reaction, always reminds me of Herb Ricketts cat. Before Muriel and I were married, we went to stay at a home just a short distance from here, and the family had a cat. And uh, we were in separate rooms because we'd not yet tied the knot. And so we went to, she went to her room, I went to mine after a fam family gathering, and we were guests in this, this home. And the door of my bedroom was open just about this much. And about five o'clock in the morning, the family's huge tabby cat decided to pay me a visit. And so it was a warm summer evening and uh, I was laying back and could feel a strange sen sensation was occurring with me. When my eyes opened, Herb Ricketts' huge tabby cat was standing on my chest, looking me in the eye. And so I was asleep with my hand back behind my head, sort of like this, you know, just in a nice repose. And I reacted. And when I reacted, the cat bounced off the wall on the far side of the room because I punched it. <laughs> I don't hate animals at all. In fact, I had... I had been nice to the cat that previous evening. We sat down, and it was, a, it was kind of cool, so the fireplace was going. I sat on the edge of the fireplace, and the cat would come along, and I'd stroke its back. You see, I reacted to the cat. That's a reaction. If I had responded to the cat, it would have been a little more measured. We got up for breakfast the next morning, and... I came out into the room, and most of the other people had already gathered, and Mr. Ricketts was there. And when the cat saw me, it headed in the opposite direction, as fast as anything you ever saw move in your life. And Herb looked over at the cat. He said, I don't know what's getting into that cat. <laughs> well, I did. You see, how, how silly would it be to use a plan for a home that we know is structurally unsound? Or how unwise is it if we build something according to our reactions? This feels good, this looks good. We need to consult the plan. We need to consult the great planner. Cut the studs out of a bearing wall and the house will sag and founder. When we understand God's blueprint, we can establish something strong and we can look at that with confidence. Now, let me speak to us this evening, any of you here who are couples. 
and those who will be couples in the future. Those of you who have hopes of introducing someone to your life, Paul borrows a verse from Genesis that sets the tone for the first and all other marriages. Ephesians chapter 5, and you knew this was coming. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, Paul says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's a mouthful. Now, God put some foundational things in place to establish marriage. Right from the very, very beginning, there are three words that come out of that. That's that idea. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's the foundational verse that everybody uses about marriage. There's three things there. The first is loosing. Second is binding. Third is staying. Now let's look at loosing. When a person is in that kind of stage, it changes the nature of our ties with our parents. When we marry, we, lo we loosen some of those ties. We don't cut them. That would be unnatural as well. But we do create a new family because when I got married, I was no longer mom, mom's boy. And my wife was no longer daddy's girl in a very personal sense. The relationships are still strong, but mommy doesn't check my ears to see if they're clean anymore, and daddy doesn't bandage the cut knee anymore. We become one flesh, an indivisible unit, loosing. Now, binding means being bound to your husband or wife, and it means being bound together by the strongest of ties, and in the New Testament, the word united is the same as joined. Those two words have the same meaning. And the binding doesn't mean imprisonment. King James Version says the word is cleaves. Cleave to your wife. Now, cleave used to be something that I was familiar with. My grandfather used to ask me to do it with wood so it would fit in the stove. Many of you have cleaved wood. Some would call it splitting wood. Kerry knows about that. He was at it all last week, and I couldn't get my work done in the office because he was making such a racket in the backyard, cleaving wood. See, the biblical concept of cleaving is just the opposite of what we do with wood. Cleaving, in a biblical sense, is to be on split. In fact, if we were to take the, take the word to where it needs to go, spliced would be a more accurate word. You're spliced with your wife. It means to be glued together, Unbound. In the poetic language of Genesis 2, it means for one person's being to be united with another person's being. One flesh. Now, staying. Staying is the tough one. Making the bond a permanent one. God's plan for home and marriage is permanence. I need not belabor the issue. When pollster George Gallup wrote about the condition of the home in the United States in particular, and North America in general, he described the attack on marriage as a disease affecting the majority of his nation. And as to the response for so much brokenness inside of homes, George Gallup said it was an oddly neglected topic in a nation 
that has the worst record of broken marriages in the entire world. That's the United States. And believe me this morning, I'm not trying to add any pain to that already suffered because of stress fractures in relationships. Because I know that people have suffered enough. I've sat with enough suffering to know what it looks like. But we will have to have a strong spiritual factor built into our homes and marriages today if we expect them to endure. When one person begins to act alone inside of any spliced group, something comes apart. And that's the sadness of our time. Now let's go to knowledge. Knowledge fills cold and drafty spaces in the way that insulation fills walls and attics to make the house efficient to heat and efficient to cool. Knowledge is not the same as the sum total of the information we store because it seems like there's no shortage of information. But really, this means learning with perception. It calls us to invest time in learning. It calls for a willingness to hear and a quest for truth. And it allows us to get to the real roots of issues by dispelling the ignorance around them. See, genuine knowledge depends so heavily on truth. And when, it, and when it gets there, it fosters honesty and contributes to building real character in people. And the superior source of knowledge is the Word of God. The superior holder of knowledge is the Spirit of God. Homes are really built as God's Spirit grants us clear, clear perception and homes are filled and lives become fulfilled as God's instructions are taken seriously. No discussion of marriages seems to be ever thorough without Paul's instructions to the Ephesians. Paul addresses both of the, both of the spouses and addresses the children, then uses an illustration. And here's his direct advice to wives. It's interesting stuff. And it's been beaten around, used and misused for a long period of time. Ephesians 5 and 22. Husband, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. It's tough. That's tough pieces of scripture. But they have to be grappled with. See, the basic role pointed out there for the wife is submission to her husband. Even, but you've got to look at the comparison. Even as the church is submissive to Christ. Paul makes the point that the Christian wife submits to her husband as she submits to the Lord. I know, ladies, he's sitting down in the chair watching sports. He doesn't always shave. He's mostly hungry all, most of the time. He's probably sitting in Tim Hortons discussing politics or swapping fish stories with someone when he should be finishing something around the house. And so when you look at that, you say, mission impossible. But when a wife asks a question, Lord, how can I show my devotion? Jesus answers by being submissive to your husband. 
Still doesn't make sense, does it? Well, let me speak to the men for a second. Let's not think that Paul ended his talk there. And ladies, don't get too worried. Don't, don't write me off yet. The shotgun that I'm using today has two barrels, and I've only pulled one trigger. So let's take aim at husbands. And here's Paul's direct advice to husbands in Ephesians 6. Husbands, love your wives. Listen carefully. Just as Christ loved the church. That's a, that's a loaded statement. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but he and blameless but pure. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does to church, for we are members of his body. There's a great deal there. It'd take about 20 sermons to get through it and all. Now, husbands are ordered to love, to adore their wives. The woman who wears curlers in her hair at times and might have bad breath in the morning too. Whose mother thinks that her daughter could have done a whole lot better for herself. And when a man asks the Lord, how can I be the kind of husband I ought to be? God says, the whole world will know the kind of husband you are by the way you treat your wife. Now I want you to notice that Paul says twice as much to husbands as he says to wives. If you count the number of words, it's more then double. Now, I'm not taking t-shirt orders, but could you honestly wear this? What does they say? My husband has an awesome wife. My wife has an awesome husband. Probably don't need to take orders. These children need biblical instruction on their attitudes, too. I wish there were more young people here. There's a few here. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, you've got to pay attention to what Paul says. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Then comes an added note. Paul says, I am not even finished with fathers. Now I've got to go back to them. Ephesians 6 and 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, which is a verse we often use in the dedication ceremony of children. See, submission becomes the key to all of these home relationships. Because wisdom and understanding doesn't work without the submission part. And the power of a question is not so much the intelligence to ask one, but it's always the wisdom to ask the right question. See, wives might ask, do I love my husband enough to live with him? But a better question should be, do I love my husband enough to lift him up? And I, would, I don't mean physically either. 
Can you lift him up in prayer? Can you lift him up? Some would say that's pretty tough. Husbands might ask a question, say, do I love my wife enough to live with her? That's not a biblical construct whatsoever. The proper question is, if you're going to say, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, it should be, do I love my wife enough to die for her? That's the more powerful question. That's the more biblical question. And children say, why should I obey my parents? So don't read it wrong. It says children should obey their parents in the Lord. There are more parents out of touch with God than any of us realize today. And Paul only instructs children to respond to parents in the Lord. Small changes in sentence form. Small nuances of meaning, but they reflect a difference between what our our society seems to think homes are built on and what God prescribes as foundational to a a good home. And so understand something from me this morning that's important. Submission is not bondage. We submit to Christ because he is Lord. We submit to him because we need him. A lot of tradespeople cooperate to build a house, use a plan, they answer to the builder. Husbands and wives, laborers, take their cues from the, from the Lord himself. He built the church on the foundation of his death and res- resurrection. He did not prefer himself, but he preferred others above him. He established the church in the power of the spirit. All of these things are the only way to build a home. I like what John and Noel Piper state in their teaching on marriage. Christ fills the church only with people who can coexist under his lordship and in the unity of the spirit of God. Go back to that last slide, would you? I'm sorry, there's the Piper slide there. Okay, we'll get to it in a moment. Do you want a modern equivalent to marriage and home? You look at the country of Germany. Just consider this. The Berlin Wall was torn down. Two separate nations became one united German state. Almost seems impossible. The systems of government between East and West were totally different. The standard of living was different. Education was different. Policing was different. Everything was different. The economies were different. And someone said, we are going to be one. And they have tried to melt their differences into the common good. Personal relationships are like that. You know, my wife had, there's 13 kids in her family. We only had four. We made more, two of us could make more noise than all 13 of them put together. And she had a major shock when she came to our house for the very first time. I got the big shock when I came to her house and there were so many people. See, each of us comes to the other with a background and a set of values. Some people open gifts on Christmas Eve. Some would think that would be terrible and you can only open them on Christmas morning. 
you come with your baggage and she comes with hers and then together we both bring lots of baggage into it and the challenge is to tear down the walls and become one in body spirit and purpose and that creates that creates a home mutual submission is essential Cooperation is essential. Being one is essential. And these factors have to be present if the foundations are to be firmly laid and a structure built upon it. Upon those kind of structures, the family is built with strength. It's made strong. A family that's built on good principles that a thief cannot break through and steal. See, a home is not a collection of people under a common roof, but a satisfying place to belong and a source of lifelong fulfillment. My prayer is that the family units that comprise this church, whether they be two-parent units or single-family units, or people living independently, people living alone, people who live in widow or in widowhood, all of these different forms of family today will have God's wisdom, have God's knowledge, have his perceptions, have his care, and that God would bless each of them. I want to read you something. It's a prayer. As found in your hymn book, page 565. Your hymn book, since I've come to this church, has blessed me. Written by Gloria Gaither. Would you, would you all stand with me? And can we read it out loud together? We'll move to communion and last the worship team to come back after this. Let's begin. In a day when our ears are bombarded by beckoning voices and our world is polluted with sound, Lord, let us hear you. In a land dissected and muddled by mazes of roads and never-ending highways, Lord, help us find your way. In a world of easy promises, empty guarantees, and quick claim insurance policies, give us the security of your hand, Lord Jesus. At a time when we are confused by conflicting authorities that would tell us how to manage our marriages, our finances, and our children, O Lord, show us your way. As we walk the tight ropes of parenthood in these explosive days, training our little ones to live in a world for which there are no precedents. Lord, we just need you. In all things, gentle shepherd, help us find the way. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray for strong, stable homes. We pray for strong, stable marriages. And I pray that when we look for guidance and we look for assistance, we're thankful for all of the helps and all of the counseling, and all of the, all of the tools of the trade that are available to the modern family or to the, or to the couple or the individual. But I pray that we will also seek your face 
learn your, your wisdom. Take the time-tested absolutes of the Word of God. Apply them to our lives in a fresh way and live for you. And I pray that in this way, our homes will be blessed. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.